Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Lord, we just thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That you would honor us with with three people that want to get baptized this morning. How does that even happen? You know, that you would trust us. We just thank you. We're so grateful. Um, Lord, we ask you to bless all three of those guys this morning that got baptized. They're just, the more I get to know them, the more I just see just this incredible heart that each one of them has. Just thank you. Lord, I, I pray this morning that you would pour just supernatural gasoline and fertilizer on the garden in their heart already for you and that it would explode and that it would get on everybody and draw everybody into your goodness, your kindness, your love, your mercy. You're just such a good God. And... Um, yeah, we're like we're like King David. We've tasted and seen, and we know you're good, you're kind. We thank you. Yeah, we praise you this morning, um, Lord. I just ask that your presence would, in, your anointing and presence would increase here this morning. That it would just be electric. Uh, you give life. You are life. So just be here and explode life all over us. That we would be filled with hope and joy and faith and and peace and and vision and and passion and all that and we forbid shame and condemnation and uh, any anything lord that would hinder our relationship with you lord we command it to leave you have no place here no place yeah and just fill this place with your spirit and angels yeah we love you lord amen all right, guys. Well, we got a cool thing this morning. Uh, come on up here, Mattini. Yeah, old Matt Hobson. Uh, about about two years ago, Matt came to Selma as part of an All In Alabama uh, movement through his church in uh, Anniston, and Matt's been on staff at this big old church and and. Uh, Aniston. Uh, when you go in it, it looks like a high school. It's so big. It's crazy. <laughs> and uh, he came here. They felt like the Lord had told them to go to 67 counties and talk about uh, doing that church was just not within the walls of a church. It's supposed to be in the community. We're supposed to get outside the walls of the community. And so he sat right there, and I sat on these steps. And he told me what their vision was and what, what the Lord was calling them to do. And I, I said, well, that's kind of what we want to do. That's kind of what we've been doing. And uh, we're not perfect at it, but I can, we kind of, as they say, jihaw with each other, you know. And so we started a relationship and texting back and forth. I ended up going up to a conference they had about it. And uh, they used a big old fancy word, ecclesia. That's what they called it. But what it was was just get outside the walls of the church, impact your community, impact the world for Jesus. That's kind of it in a nutshell. And so um, one thing led to another. 
I'm going to shorten the, the story, but we begin to have conversations along the way about the, our relationship and whether he might be called here and whether we, we might feel that he and Holly, who's his awesome wife, she's just as awesome or better than him, uh, and <laughs> wondering whether there was a deeper relationship that we were supposed to walk in. And this has happened over two years. It's not a quick thing. But uh, I told y'all back in January that the elder team met and we're talking about we felt like our calling this year is to get back outside the walls of the church like we were at the beginning because we had structure in place and bring people to Jesus. And Colin was wondering about a position, an outreach and discipleship kind of position, and wondered if it was Matt. And so we began an intentional conversation over months about that. And lo and behold... Matt, Matt and Holly are part of Blue Jean now, officially. And Matt is, we've got a real old fancy title. It's the first, I think maybe the second title we've had. You're the Director of Evangelism and Discipleship, and don't y'all forget that, okay? <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, it's pretty cool that you get a title around here. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm still looking for mine. <laughs> um, anyway, so it's really, it's an incredible day. Uh, not just because we love Matt and Holly so much. They're awesome. Y'all are just going to fall in love with them. But in the spirit, in the unseen, God's doing something here. This wasn't us orchestrating anything or manipulating anything or selling anything, it, God just put this together. And I cannot wait to see the explosion of kingdom impact that you being here and being a part of this little family that we're just spiritual mutts and, you know, country boy eddies and girls and all that. Uh, we're, we're not sophisticated, but we love Jesus. And we want to please him and follow him, and you're going to help us do it. Matt, we're so glad you're here. And we, we already love you. I'm not. I'm not crying because you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll throw me under the bus. We love you. Y'all give it up and welcome Matt and Holly. That's a pretty big buildup. Afraid you're going to be disappointed this morning. Uh, a couple of housekeeping things. Hope everybody's football team won this weekend. Did they? Yes? No? All right. I was at that game. I was at a friend's house. Nick Saban is still on the throne this morning, so everybody's excited. I slept through most of it uh, laying on their son. So, uh, and then I saw Auburn still has a football team. They won as well. So I am not a football fan at all, so I'm just, I'm just messing with both of you. I told Bob one time, I'm going to pull for whoever the opposite team is. He said, that makes me know you'll never watch a game at my house. Um, real quick, a couple things I had on my mind before I jump in the message. Alan and everybody that got baptized, I was thinking about it when Bob was explaining it, how cool it is that you're marked as a son or a daughter when you go in those waters. But, you know, to me, what... What for me personally is such a good reminder about baptism is that demons cannot swim. So when Jesus casts demons into the pigs, they go off, they drown. When everybody's coming out of chasing the pharaohs, chasing them, the Israelites, all the water crush, your enemies can no longer follow you. So whatever past things were there, they're in the water. 
They, they can't be around you anymore. So how exciting that is to see them get baptized today. Amazing. Um, let me tell you a little bit about how this message came about. First, I finally got around to reading Miss Donna Long's book. Thank you for uh, the book, Donna. If you don't know it, she has a book here. It's a really interesting book of a river journey with Jesus. And some things that happened to me this week when I was coming down here, I was just exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, having a rough time, didn't get the best start, all those kind of things. So I thought, I'm just going to pick up this little book and kind of read a little bit. And I made a few notes that immediately stuck out at me. First one is that Jesus asks her before they go on this journey or reminds her, Donna, you can be safe with me. You are safe with me. And man, what a great reminder this week, Miss Donna. I needed that so much that with Jesus, we're safe. It doesn't matter what's going on, but we're safe. Then I kept reading, and this book just kept hitting me over the head. The next one says, Donna, you are making this much more difficult than it needs to be. (laughs) We are complicating the process. Us as a church, us as a people, we make this way too hard. It should be so easy. I was watching the sermon last week, and Bob was sharing that one of the core values is come as you are, right? We should be as easy as possible to fall in love with Jesus. We make it so hard sometimes, ourselves and others. We make it so hard. And then what really hit me is that Jesus says this in the book. That's where we're working, dear one, because the place of rest and trust is always where the Father wants to be. In the place of rest and trust is always where the Father wants you to be. There should never be a striving. We had our first official staff meeting with me, I guess, but there's four of us. And uh, uh, Bob, I said, I'm just not going to strive. And we all agreed, like, we're not striving. You know, the Bible says the only time we're to strive is to strive for a place of rest. The only striving should be striving to get to a place of rest. I love that. And so I kind of was inspired a little bit by the book. A little conversations and some stories which I'll share with you. So we'll figure out a title later, but let's just do this. will be the ramblings of an outreach guy today. Uh, but one of the core values, if you haven't checked them out, they're on the website. says, love and honor. Loving God and loving people well. We embrace unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials, and love in everything. What an amazing core value for a church. You know, I started off my weekend getting a phone call from a guy that's in a wheelchair. And he asked me, he's like, is there anything you could do? I know this guy's passed. He's been kicked out of church. And he wasn't in a wheelchair when he got kicked out of church. And he's done some terrible things. But I have such a heart for this person because I've been kicked out of church. <laughs> and, and I know what that feels like. And I know what kind of hurt, what kind of deep hurt that puts on your soul and in your spirit. And so I said, look, I don't know what I can do, but I'll try. And he said, you know, what, could, what can I do? I'm in a wheelchair. There's no real problems I could cause anymore. I just want to go back to church. So I shot an email to some people I knew, and I haven't gotten a response back yet. But in my mind, I just thought about it while we were baptizing everybody this morning. Is, Man, we are complicating this. It should be so easy Even if this guy did everything possible to get kicked out, it should be so easy to welcome the prodigals back. 
there should be a way to walk back into that, into a relationship, into reconciliation. That's the whole point of Jesus dying for us, is to reconcile us. And so I just have such a heart, and I thought, man, we've got to do better. I've got to do better. The church, not this church, the church as a body, we've got to do better at loving people, at making time for people, at sitting down with people. And so I was thinking about it, and all of a sudden, boom, the Holy Spirit gave me this story. It's in Mark chapter 2, and I I told Josh this morning, I was going to read all of these verses and stuff, I'm just going to paraphrase. But in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is in the middle of a church service. And I've been on staff, like Bob said, at a church, and I know what kind of an issue this would cause. But right in the middle of a church service, the roof opens up, and they start lowering a guy down in in the roof. And in my mind, as a staff member, I'd be like, we have just disrupted the flow of service. Like, we've got an issue here. But this guy, they drop him right down in the, in the middle of the floor. And, you know, his friends cared so much about him, they wanted him to get in the building so he could get healed. Jesus stops everything, doesn't get on to him for doing it, walks over to him and asks the man what he needs, but then says, your sins are forgiven. That's amazing, Right? except that the religious leaders were so offended (laughs) that he forgave the man's sins. And I thought about all the times I've personally done that myself, judging someone else's behavior and mixing that up with their identity. See, our behavior does not determine our identity. You're a son of of God, you're a daughter of God, whatever you do doesn't change your identity. But the religious leaders were so offended that you forgave this guy's sins. One, that he thinks he's got the power to forgive sins. And two, because they probably knew who the guy was and they're like, there's no way Alan is getting saved. Right? There's no way that guy that we baptized in the day, there's no way. They were offended by that. And man, it just it caused me so much turmoil this weekend thinking about that. One, that we would consider that a disruption. <laughs> You've disrupted our flow of service today. And not just as a church service, we do it individually. Somebody comes into our lives in an opportunity or a situation, and we have the choice to determine that at that point, is this going to be a disruption or is this going to be an opportunity to show the goodness of God? All those songs we heard this morning, that's what this whole little rambling is about, is showing the goodness of God. But they considered it a disruption. And so Jesus takes it further, which you got to love this about Jesus. He then says, you know what, since that offended you so much, he doesn't say this, this is the book of Matt Hobson. Uh, but in, in my mind, right, Jesus says, you know, let me see what else I can do. Who, who else is here? I say, Alan's already been baptized. Oh, oh there's Matthew, the tax collector. I'm going to leave out of this service, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go eat dinner with this guy here that y'all all know. Y'all all know Matthew, right? I'm going to go to his house, to, you know. And they, the religious people were so offended, again, right, that they start talking to Jesus' disciples. Because that's what religious people do. They don't talk to you. They didn't go to Jesus. They went to his disciples. And says, who do you think this guy is that he's eating with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus, and Jesus overheard them, right? And said, hey, let me ask you a question, guys. If you're sick... Do you go to the hospital, or when you're well, do you go? He said, because I did not come for those who were whole. I came for the sinners 
to get them to repent. And repent just means change your mind, change your outlook, change your direction, do something different so you don't end up in this same situation. But Jesus gives us that answer. He's like, I did not come for the people that are well. So if you're well, go do what you need to be doing. But if you're sick, that's who I'm here for. That's who I'm going to make time for. That's who I'm going to sit down with. That's the one that's not going to be a disruption to me. That's my opportunity. That's my opportunity. And I thought, man, I am just so sick of myself when I miss those opportunities. And I'm so sick at hearing those stories like the young man that called me trying to get back into church. Holly's got another friend that just shared this week. You know, she served on a team for a long time. This woman's an older lady. She's in her 70s. She has no family taking care of her. She's like, look, the other woman that shared on her team, she's had a heart attack. Nobody even knew she had a heart attack. Nobody's checking on her. Nobody's coming to help this widow. Nobody's doing anything. And so Holly's kind of befriended her, but that could be a disruption, right? I've got to invest my time and energy, and I've got to do all of this. So we've got a choice to make Are these things going to be a disruption or is it going to be an opportunity to show the goodness of God? And it's not just a benefit for the lady that Holly's serving, it's a benefit for Holly. That's the way the kingdom works. We all benefit if it's kingdom. There's no winners or losers. There's no striving. There's no, look, if you asked me to come help you move today, I would do it, but I would gripe the whole time. And when I went home, I would cuss you to Holly that you had me come move you. But if you put me in a mission field and say you got to roof a, a house all day in the sun, it's the, like it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. How do we, how does that matter? How does that, it's because it's in my mind and in my heart, that's kingdom, right? But I've got to figure out a way, a way to transfer that, that helping someone to move is kingdom. I've got to see that not as a disruption, but this is a way I can serve and love and further the kingdom just by my presence, just by sitting down. Because I'm just tired of all the other stuff. I'm tired of churches the way it's been. I'm tired of being manipulated. I'm tired of being hurt by leaders. I'm tired of manipulating people. I'm just tired. (laughs) Is anybody else in here tired of that? Bob was saying it this morning, we all, he's like, man, there's a story here, there's a story here, there's a story here. I said, man, we all got one, don't we? But if you ask somebody, a lot of those stories are, I was hurt at a church. I was hurt by a leader. I was hurt by a person. I was hurt. And so how can we do better? How can we do better doing that? I feel like the Lord, because I don't have like a big catchy sermon thing today, and I don't have a lot of, uh, you know, flashy things to get your attention and, I, and to be honest, I was just kind of being Jeremiah all weekend, like, Lord, I just hate everything. And, uh, you know, I'm just tired of everything. And I felt like this was the word the Lord gave me. I've been tired too. And I thought, wow, the Lord was tired. That's pretty awesome. I didn't understand it, and then he kind of gave me a verse, and I started reading through it, and it really made sense, so I'm going to share it with you. That Jesus was tired too. In John chapter 4, you guys can go read this later because it's a long story. But in John chapter 4, what happens? Jesus shows up. They start baptizing people. The disciples were baptizing. They did this for a long time, several hours. And then all of a sudden, they walk off. Six hours later, they end up in Samaria where none of the disciples wanted to go to, right? And Jesus gets there and sits down by a well. 
And the disciples are griping because he's in Samaria. They didn't want him there. They were probably griping that we're not baptizing anybody else. Like, we need another service, right? They've gotten a little religious. we got something else to do, Jesus. we got to go. And he says, well, I'm going to show you how to do this. <laughs> I'm going to sit down. Jesus sits down, and it says in the verse, he says, I got to Samaria, set by a well, because I was tired from the journey. Man, the Holy Spirit spoke to me because that has been me. That is me. I am tired from the journey. But Jesus was tired too. He sat down because he said, I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of running from thing to thing. I'm tired of you fighting with the woman that's about to come up here. I'm tired of you hating this group of people, and I'm tired of that group of people hating you, and I'm just tired. And he sits down. And I love that about Jesus because it, it, it all of a sudden becomes an opportunity. Either this is going to be a disruption, which could have easily been because his disciples did not want to be there. They were ready to go. And I love that Jesus just tosses them away. He's like, hey, here's what I need you to do. Y'all go grab a sandwich for me, and I'll do this. I'm going to sit here. And he sends them on because I don't need you interrupting what's about to happen. And I thought, gosh, you know, sometimes I get it wrong and sometimes I get it right. I was in, uh, Holly and I have bought some bicycles since we, we did a little bike tour in Maine, so now we've become this, the greatest cyclist on earth. Uh, so I've had so many issues with my bike, though. Holly's had none, and it used to be running shoes for me. Like, I would take running shoes back multiple times to the store. I just, it became a, an issue, okay? I confess. Um, and now it's become that way with this bicycle. So I've been to, to back and forth to Georgia multiple times getting this bike fixed. Finally had an issue with it the other day, and I'm going over there. I had already been that morning, so if that gives you any kind of mindset, I'm already pretty aggravated having to go back. So I get back, and as I'm getting close to where I'm going, all of a sudden this guy's standing on the side of the road, and in my mind I have to make a decision. Do I pretend like he's not there? Do I roll my window up? Do I not look at him? Because he's being very aggressive on, hey, you see me? And uh, so I'm looking right at him, and so I'm like, oh, my gosh. I rolled the window down. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, can I use your cell phone? And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's a, I hadn't had that one in a while. I'm like, hang on a second. So I pull over because I'm just handing my phone out the window and him shoot off through the woods like I've got some common sense. So I pull over, and, and this guy looks like he's been rolling in the grass for an hour. I mean, he looks, just, he looks like he needs to make a phone call. So I give him his, my phone, and he dials it, and he's just walking around, and Anyway, he, nothing, he dials it again, he's walking around, and he's like, they're not answering. He dials it again, he gives it back to me, and I'm like, hey, I've got to go run some errands. If they call back, do you want me to tell me anything, and I'll come back by here? He said, no. So I got back in the truck, shut the door, and he's still standing over there, and I just felt, and I don't do this all the time, so don't get me wrong, I pass up plenty of people, but I really felt led to ask this guy this question. I said, hey, man, is there anything I could do for you to make your day better? And, uh, and he said, could you take me to the store? And I said, sure. He gets in the car, and he said, can I get in? I'm like, yeah, you can get in. He said, you're not afraid? I'm going to do something to you? I'm like, no, I got a pistol. I'll shoot you. And he said, he said are you the police? And I'm, like, and I'm like, no, I'm not the police. He's like, he's like I thought you were the police. And uh, so he, I said, you better be careful with me. You don't know what I'm going to do to you. And, uh, and, and, and so he gets in. And uh, we start chatting it up, asking his name. His name's Derek. And I'm like, well, what's going on, Derek? You look, you've had a rough night. And he's like, my girlfriend's kicked me out. That's who I was trying to call. 
And, I, and he said, hopefully she didn't call the police. I'm like, well, are the police coming, like, after n- now? Because, you know, we need to have a conversation, get our story straight here. Because I'm wrapped up in whatever you got going on. He said, can I smoke in your truck? I'm like, no, you can't. And he said, okay. And uh, I said, what do you need at the store? He said, well, he said, first I need uh, some money. And I said, well, that's okay. I got you covered on money. He said, well, I said, what do you need? He said, I need to go buy some beer. I, he said, is that going to be okay? And I said, I don't care. And so I take him to the Carrollton Package Store or West Georgia Liquor. I don't know what it was, but I take him over there and uh, buy this guy some beer. And he comes back out, and he's like, can I drink in your truck? I'm like, I don't care. I, that's probably illegal. I don't know. But I, I'm like, go ahead and drink you one, buddy. You look like you need it. And, uh, and so he, he, nobody, he, she won't answer the phone or anything. And it, this is the point where I could let the guy out, and everything could just be okay. But I really felt like the Holy Spirit, like I'm going to share with you about this story, said, just don't look at the surface. Like, there's really something you could probably help this guy with. So I said, Derek, what'd you, what'd you do? And he's telling me a little bit of the story. I'm like, where you live? You want me to take you by there? And he's like, man, I don't know if I can go back over there. And I'm like, why don't we go over there and talk to her together? He's like, you going to go to my house? And I'm like, I'll take you to your house. We'll go talk to her together. He said, okay. He said, it's a bad part of town. I'm like, it's Okay. And so we get over there, and we drive back in this little trailer park, and she's sitting on the porch, by the way, with a friend, and she is not happy. Uh, But Derek is a smart man. He said, hey, I got liquor and cigarettes, and this man gave me money. (laughs) And she she got up off that porch, (laughs) and uh, she came over to the truck, and and he starts talking to her, and and I start talking to her, and I find out what's going on, and we kind of get them reconciled a little bit. And uh, anyway... They go on in the house. I get back in the car, and I thought, man, that's what it's all about. All I did was do something to make this guy's day better. Now, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't ask him if he repented, you know, or if he needs to be saved, or if he died today, do you know where you're going to go? I didn't do any of that. I just showed the love of God because that's our only job. Holy Spirit says he'll do the rest. God draws them. It's not our responsibility. All we've got to do is consider this is going to be either a disruption or is this going to be an opportunity. How today can I change this guy's life? It seemed like Jesus maybe made that same statement one time when he said, if somebody asks you to carry their pack one mile, carry it two, right? So I could, I could have easily given the guy some money. I could have easily just ignored it. I could have taken him up there. For whatever reason, that day, Jesus put us together so I could go help him get reconciled and you know, if they're probably going to be fighting right now. He's probably already been kicked out two or three times. I don't know. But on that day, we made a difference in somebody's life, right? And, and the unique thing is if we have our eyes open, if we'll be listening, we have those opportunities present every day where we could consider this as either a disruption or is this going to be an opportunity to do something because that's what God did. So back to our story. Jesus sat down in Samaria to talk to a woman, asking her for water. But why? Because he said, I'm tired from the journey. And I know I can't be the only one. I, I, I have overheard it this weekend. I am sick of work. I'm sick of my family. I'm sick of my son-in-law. I'm sick of the, I'm sick of, I've heard I am sick of this. I'm tired of this. I've heard it multiple times. I'll even tell somebody yesterday, if you're that sick of it, just quit. It's an ongoing thing. So I can't be the only one. Somebody in here has got to be tired or God wouldn't have given me this message. Unless it's just for me and I'm totally open for that too. It was me and Derek. 
But we're talking about fully God, fully man, comes from heaven, right? Born in Bethlehem, grows up. Jesus, you know, perfection, the great I am, says, I am tired. Man, that is a word in itself. I don't have to come up with a great sermon. Just rest in that, that Jesus, the Son of God, was tired. So I know you're superhuman. I know you can do everything. I know there's no faults and failures. But just know, you don't have to do anything else. Jesus was tired. He just sat down. So you can give yourself a little, I love that Bob said there's no shame, there's no con. Give yourself a little bit of grace. Jesus was tired. What was he tired of? Probably Peter if I had to get, no. Uh, he <laughs> He was tired of the journey. I mean, they had been baptizing. We did it one time. We baptized all night, two days in a row. 24 hours, all night, two days in a row. And then to think I would have to walk six hours and sit by a well in the sun while these guys go get my lunch, I would be losing my mind. You know, he could have been tired of Peter. Peter got everything wrong. But Jesus says, I was tired from the journey. And there was no Uber, right? There's no Uber Jesus. It's like Samaria would be Selma. There is no Uber, right? So you're not just catching an Uber and going somewhere. They walked everywhere they went. So six hours later, he shows up, sits down with this lady at the well, and he says, hey, could you give me a drink? (laughs) Don't you love that about Jesus? You ever thought about that? The light of the world. And the way he evangelizes is say, hey, can I have a drink? <laughs> and that's not a pickup line. You know, that's not Jesus saying, ooh, hey, you got me a drink of water there, sweetie. I'm not, I mean, and it's not even a surface level question. This is a deep question from Jesus. And what he's asking the woman really is, hey, do you know what's inside of you? Do you really know who you are? That you would show up here today of all days? This woman had been passed around probably more than the jar that she was carrying to the water that day. And shows up, and the Son of God is sitting on top of a well. This is Joseph's well. Sitting on top of a well, and he can for sure, if he wanted a drink, get a drink of water out of it. But he specifically asked her, hey, can I have a drink? He gets her involved. And, and this woman showing up at noon was not showing up just to get a drink of water. She was showing up because she was getting away from everyone that was talking about her in the town. She was trying to get out of town so nobody would have to talk about all the stuff that was going on with her, right? She was having a Derek moment. (laughs) And and Jesus, being Jesus, asked her those questions like I was doing Derek. What would you do, man? Did you cheat on her? Did you do this? Jesus says, hey, where's your husband? I'm not married, right? you got to love that about Jesus. I know you're not married. You've been married five times, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. Ouch. (laughs) But he does it in such a way that it captivates her. It captures her heart that she wants to respond, and she's like, you're right. I'm not married. I've been been married five times, and, and now I'm living with a guy, and I'm not married to him. And it's so interesting to me because Jesus shows up there. She'd been married five times. She's living with the sixth. And, and I heard this great uh, revelation from this verse the other day that Jesus showed up as the seventh. 
And why? Because on the first day, God did what? Worked. On the second day, God did what? Worked. Third day, God did what? Worked. Fourth, fifth, sixth. What did he do on the seventh day? So what he's saying to this woman is, hey, all of this striving, all of this stuff that's going on with you, with your five husbands, with the six you're living with now, guess what? I'm the seventh, and it ends here. There's nothing but rest. We're not taking this any further. You're not going to struggle with this anymore. You're not going to deal with this issue any longer. When you leave here, you're going to be filled, not just thirsty from water, but you're going to be filled to overflowing with something you've never experienced. So, oh my gosh, if you could just tell me who this person is, he's like, look no further. I'm right here. Jesus, can you imagine leaving heaven to walk through Samaria to have a seat at a well just to meet a woman and sits down with her? That's what happens when we sit down with people. Just sitting there, just something changes. But he says, hey, all of this stops today. I'm number seven. We're, we're resting here. And she goes back, you know the story, she goes back and everything changed. Her whole town became, you know, radically changed because of her. This man that I knew knew everything about me, which is another good point for us today. Jesus already knows everything about us, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he still shows up and says, come sit with me. Just come sit with me. That to me is mind-blowing. And if we as a church can get that revelation again of just being present, just sitting with people, what could change? And I love his evangelism strategy. He didn't say, hey, I need you to come over here and go to this church with me. I need you to follow me to the temple. I need you to... Actually, he did the opposite. What he said was, none of y'all know this, but it's not about worshiping over there or worshiping over here. It's about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And there'll be a day when that comes and you won't have to worry about any of this. And I think we're getting close to that. I think COVID helped us with some of that. Because people realize now, wow, what I really need is for you just to sit with me. Just spend some time with me. Just be present with me. And this is not just me pre preaching out of my own church hurt, which I have been. Uh, uh, and I was totally convicted by my own message because when I was writing the notes, and I'm not sharing some of it, Thank you, Holly. Uh, Holly will tell me sometimes after, she's like, man, that sounded a little condemning on other churches. So I'm trying to, be, I'm trying to make this not condemning because I don't want it to be that way. But I was convicted myself because I thought about all of this church hurt and all of these things and all these relationships and disappointments and all of this. And Jesus said, well, maybe uh, like the Johnny Lee song, maybe you've been looking for love in all the wrong places. Maybe your validation shouldn't be coming from a man or a pastor or a church. Maybe you shouldn't be. Maybe you should just be falling in love with me and get all of that from me, and then you wouldn't be dealing with all of this stuff. So how about we take the spotlight off of all of your little enemies you got on your list, and you turn it around on you and realize I'm just sitting right there by you. And just like I did with the woman at the well, it could end today if you would allow it. You could have a drink of a different kind of water. You could change your trajectory. You could change what's about to happen in your life. Just like that. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never fail you or forsake you. We can't say that about anything else. <laughs> Churches, people, we're all going to let each other down at some point. And when we get tired 
We get sick and tired like I was this weekend. We start fighting battles that were not ours to fight. And that's what was happening there in Samaria. They're fighting against each other, different religions, who's happening. And it's because everybody was tired of just being sick and tired. And Jesus was telling her, it's not about that. Just sit here and rest. It's not about getting in a discipleship class, which I know we have to have, and I know we've got to equip people, and I know we've got to do certain things. But what Jesus is saying is sometimes if you'll just sit at the right well, you'll get everything you need. And to be honest and completely transparent with you, I've been sitting at the wrong well for a long time. <laughs> and all it has done for me is make me more dehydrated and more sick and tired. And so I think what God was saying, and maybe this is just for me, but I think it's for somebody else too, is that we just need to sit at the right well with the wrong people at the right time. And if we do that, everything changes. Sit at the right well with the wrong people. That could be my new slogan. I'm sitting at the right well with the wrong people. Josh asked me, what would you like as your title on your uh, business cards? And, I, and in my mind, immediately, I didn't tell him this, but I thought, I want Chief Center on there. That's my title. Because uh, I know our friend that got baptized says he, he had backslid. I backslide every day. So I hope that's not keeping me out of anything. And every day I try to do a little better. But, man, I mess it up all the time. I've messed it up today, I'm sure, somewhere. I've said something inappropriate already this morning, I can promise you. But Jesus says, y'all go get lunch. I'm going to sit right here with the ones you've been fighting against because those are the very ones that I have come to save. Isn't that crazy? Nothing else but just sitting there by a well. And you got to picture this. This woman shows up. You know her past. The last person she wants to see is a man standing at the well, much less a religious man a rabbi, a Jewish man. This is like this woman's worst nightmare. But Jesus sits down with her and offers her a drink that she's never had before. And essentially saying what I said already, do you know what's inside of you? Do you know what's past that surface? Do you know what's past the surface level questions? Do you know who you really are? Do you really know who you are? Not just Bob saying it, that it's written on your head. Do you really know you're a son of God? That's, he just keeps hammering that. Do you really know? Do you really know? And that's what I hear God saying to us. Do you really know what's inside of you? We've got to get past the surface level questions. We've got to get past the here's $5 and driving off. We've got to take a little bit more time with people not just with people on the side of the road, but your friends and your family and your kids. And your, we've just got, we changed our entire lifestyle because we said these words. We're too busy. And we said it so long that it became just a normal thing. How are you doing? Well, it's great, but we're busy. Everything's good, but we're so busy. And Holly had read in Isaiah 58 the kind of fast Jesus is looking for, and it says all of these things, but the one thing that convicted her, which essentially convicted me, is you don't have time to spend with your own families. And we thought, wow, something's got to change. 
We've got to change something so we can have time. And so my encouragement to us as a church, as a body, is let's start making time for what's really important. Let's start being aware of those situations that come up where it may have been considered a disruption, even if it just makes you think, oh, is this a disruption? Is this an opportunity? It's at least going to make you think about it because we are all so, we're still somewhat religious that it will at least guilt us enough that we'll ask that question. Then it's what you do with it determines how far we're going to move spiritually, right? You know, at whether we're going to, and I, and I don't use the words grow up or spiritually mature. I like to grow out. The way we know this message is going to be okay or the way we know we're doing a good job is if you're actually doing it. If I leave here today and take an opportunity and it's not a distraction, then I know, okay, that makes sense. We got something out of that. If not, this was just me rambling and, and nobody changes. But we've got to get past that surface level uh, situation. Uh, you know, I was, I was just reminded about this. Several years, a friend of mine, Jerry Jones, and I did homeless ministry in Birmingham, and we tried to help this guy, David, get off the street. We finally got him an apartment. He was doing so well, and, and up until that point, I had never asked him to go to church, nothing. And I had taken Holly and the kids. We were sitting under, uh, you know, uh, overpasses in the middle of the night. You know, they're giving Holly litter boxes to sit on, and I mean, this was, it, it was, it would be crazy in the natural, right? But David finally asked me one time, he's like, man, why you don't ever ask me to go to church for you? I said, well, I, I didn't think about it. Do you want to go to church? He said, yeah, I want to go to church. And I said, okay, well, I'll pick you up. So I go pick him up one Sunday morning, and we take him. One of the reasons I didn't want to go pick him up is I didn't want to come show him off as look at my homeless friend that I saved, right? I wanted him to feel like a friend and not like it was just some big deal. So I go pick him up, and in a way to do that, I don't tell anybody who it is. We just bring him. Well, David comes, sits right on the front row, and all of a sudden church starts, and guess what? David goes to sleep. And, and sits there asleep, and I can hear the different people because we're in a small room in a small church talking about how he's asleep and talking about why he would sleep and talking about this. And, and you know, we got in the car and on the way back to the thing, and I said, David, I didn't even bring it up. He brought it up to me. He's like, man, I'm sorry I was sleeping in there. He said, but I hadn't felt that much peace in a long time. I hadn't had to be afraid somebody was going to steal my sleeping bag. I didn't have to be afraid I was going to get stabbed. I could just rest and know that I'm safe. And I thought, man, how many people in that room knew past that surface of why that guy was asleep? But we're so quick to judge it, so quick to, to put our finger on what we think's wrong. It, knowing we got stuff wrong in our own lives, we don't talk about that. So we deflected over there. But, man, it made me think about that just now of how he said that. He said, I felt so safe that I could take a nap for the first time in a long time without having to worry about it. Isn't that crazy? So anyway, Jesus knows we're tired. <laughs> he was tired. I've been tired. And what I love about the, the way all this kind of works out, Bob said, hey, you're going to do communion? There was a verse in Ecclesiastes 4 or 5 that said, the fool folds his hand and does no work, so he has nothing to eat but his own flesh. If we can start passing communion out, it says the fool folds his hands and does no work. He has nothing to eat but his own flesh. 
I had always read that verse thinking like, if a man don't work, he don't eat. You can use those verses, right? Um, but that's not what this is saying. My friend in Tennessee, he's been studying a lot of Aramaic and, and Hebraic roots and stuff. And he sent me this verse. He said, hey, because I told him what I was preaching on. He said, hey, I think this goes with your message. And I read it, and I'm like, well, how do you figure? And he said, because the Aramaic of that says, when a man is so frustrated and worn and tired out, he sits down and will do nothing. He just shuts down. And when he does that, it says he starts eating at his own flesh, which means he gets out of the spirit and he gets in the flesh. And I thought, man, what a great picture of communion. Because Jesus does exactly the opposite. Jesus sits down, but with his friends, not by himself. And it says he reclines back, and they start passing around food and drink. And they're all there as a community. He's not worn out. He's not tired. He's not frustrated. And so there is no flesh. It's only spirit. We were never intended to do this alone. It was always about a community. And he's showing us in communion, hey, I need you to recline back. I need you just to relax, open up your little wafer, get your wine out. And, and I just need you to understand we're a family. <laughs> this, is, this is a different kind of thing that's happening. Isn't that what he says? This is a new covenant. This is something totally different, does away with everything else. Um, as we're getting communion, I will share this because this was what I thought was the best part of the whole message. This was from the book of Talladega Nights. And in there, in the chapter of Cal Naughton Jr., he says, I like to picture Jesus with a tuxedo t-shirt on because it says I'm formal, but I like to party. And I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to us. We've, we've, we've complicated this thing. This should be a party. He says, get the wine, get the bread, lay back on each other. Everything's changing. Now the challenge begins. It'd be easier to raise Alan from the dead out of that water than to get the plastic open on this wafer. Look, in all seriousness, and again, this may have just been for me, but if you came in today just being tired of being sick and tired, <laughs> there is no 12-step program for you. Jesus just says, sit with me. <laughs> just sit at a different well and let me give you everything you've been looking for. And so he takes that cup and that bread on the night where he's handing it out to his friends even the one that's going to betray him. And he says, hey, this is my body, guys. It's broken for you. Anything you need is available. So take it this morning, whatever it is that you came in needing. Take the body knowing that it has already been done for you. Then Jesus takes the cup, and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. Everything's changing with this. The forgiveness of your sins, like total freedom. 
He says, drink this in remembrance of me. Remember what he did for you on the cross. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you're a God that became fully human, <laughs> that you walked 41 generations to sit down at a well with a woman with a bad past to give her a drink so we can all understand that you're just as tired as the rest of us and that you offer us a different way to do things. And so, God, for those that came in this morning that are tired, I just hope they sit with you. Those that came in this morning that are thirsty, God, give them a drink. And as we leave today, God, as we go do whatever we're going to do, I assume you're going to put opportunities in front of us to confirm your word. So give us the grace to see it as an opportunity and not a disruption. And let this pl place continue to be a place where people can feel the Father's love, where people are accepted, can come as they are. All mutts are welcome. <laughs> and so we love you and we thank you for your grace and your mercy you show us. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.